We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Brian, uh, I assume that this is how you do all of your uh, positional yep. breakdowns. You end up yep. with the five biggest questions at corner, and that is what we are going to jump into right now. We we've, we we kind of touched on some of these here and there, but we're going to we're going to get a little bit deeper into each one here. So the first question, Brian Driscoll, who replaces Cam Hart? Yeah, and, and and here's here's why this is interesting, Vince, because it's not so much it's not a question just as simply as who's going to start. Sure. Because to me, the guy that seizes hold of that job is going to influence how the coverage structure is going to look next year to the mm-hmm. field. And that's why this is a big question. I mean, it, of course, someone's going to replace him. But when you look at Christian Gray, as I mentioned earlier, he's a six foot plus, very long arms, mant, great feet, fluid, great hips. If you remember, my big question about him as a junior was I liked the film. He's very good in coverage, but I questioned the speed. And then he went went out and ran like a 4-4-1 at Ohio State's camp that summer, and the Buckeyes fell in love with him. LSU fell in love with him. And I was like, I didn't see that speed on junior film. And then he went out as a senior, and you're like, there it is. And he jumped way up on my board and became, I think, the number two or number three kid in the class in what was one of the best defensive halls, in my opinion, Nurem's had in a very long time. And – I mean, he's going again. And the thing is, he was going, he went against Cardinal Tate, locked him down. He went against Ryan Wingo, locked him down. He went against Aaron Scott, locked him down. Like he was going against dudes. And, and my favorite clip of Christian Gray as a senior, they were playing against Jeremiah Love's high school. And Christian was backside, and Jeremiah Love ripped off a long touchdown run. And Jeremiah is smoking it. And, and Jeremiah starts to slow down. And he looks behind him, and here comes Christian. <laughs> about to catch him and Jeremiah then speeds back up into the end zone because it's like Christian <laughs> was gaining on him. You know what I mean? And you could see the speed, but the competitiveness is something that, that surprised me because Christian's a real quiet kid. He's like Benjamin. He's a very quiet kid, sure. you know, very, and remember we had him on the signing day show, him and his mom, and they're like cracking jokes. He's just like awesome kid. I'm going to tell you another story about Christian Ray that I, I want to share this too. I have a but, good buddy of mine who took his son who's autistic uh, to the Clemson game. He's kind of awkward with social interaction. 
Sure. Right? That, 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 tra- that tracks. And, and so he's at the thing and the Notre Dame players are walking by and he sticks his hand out to get a five from a player. Now, keeping this isn't like the player walking Notre Dame where it's like you can just reach your hand out and tap them. So, like, players were walking by the kid, but it was understandable because they were several feet, several feet away. Where's this at? The fans. This is at Clemson. At Clemson. Okay. Just gotten off the bus going into the stadium. Gotcha. Christian Gray veers off from the straight line the players are in, walks over and slaps this kid on the the hand. Just made, I mean, Vince, you know how those kind of kids responded. Like, just made his day. Just like the kid will never forget that the rest of his life. That's just the kind of kid he is. But he's also a heck of a football player. Mm-hmm. And we saw that last year. I mean, oh, he yeah. is the perfect fit. Like, if you could draw up the ideal corner combo in a lab for Notre Dame, it's Benjamin Morrison and Christian Gray. Absolutely. Because it gives you the chance to literally play pure man coverage on the outside, both sides. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Now, if Jaden is the best guy for that spot, then Jaden is more of a man guy. He's going to play more similar to Cam coming down. Because Jaden is, is, I mean, we've heard people at Notre Dame say this. He's arguably the best. He's arguably the strongest player they have on the team pound for pound. Like there's reports that he he puts up 20 plus reps on on the bench at 225. Wow. Like he's a very strong player. He's a downhill, you know, play the run, play the screen game, be physical, but you're gonna have to help him over top. You're not gonna be able to play cover one all day with Jaden Mickey in the game. And if you do, you're probably gonna play cover one. Mm-hmm. Like or you play play off man, you know, and and so you're gonna have to play teams a lot differently when Cam when when he's in the game compared to when Christian's in the game. So does is he going to play that spot and he gets two-thirds of the snaps and, and Christian gets one-third? Is Christian going to get two-thirds and Jane gets one-third? Is it going to be a, yeah. a an every-other-play rotation? Do you cross-train Jaden to play both outside corner spots? Like, do you go with a pure backup role for the field and the boundary where you've got a boundary that comes in for Benjamin, whether it's Clarence Lewis or whether it's Chance Tucker, or whether it's Leonard Moore you know, steps up early? And then Jaden rotates with Cam or Christian, or does Christian be that cross-trained guy, or does Jaden? Because I could see this scenario, yeah. Vince, where Christian's the starter at field, Jaden comes in, backs him up, and then Christian comes off for a series, 
And then the next series, Christian goes to the boundary, gives Benjamin a series off. Next series after that, it's Christian and Benjamin back on the field together. Right. I could see something like that. Three-man rotation right. deal. Or it could be Jaden that plays both. You know, so it's going to be interesting to see how it shakes out because how it shakes out as far as who is the number one if one emerges, because that's the other thing. Is it one guy that primarily replaces him? Is it two? Yeah. How exactly. that gets answered is going to determine how Notre Dame has to structure their coverages this season. Right. In my opinion, because they are very Christian and Jaden are very different players. Mm-hmm. And so you can do a little bit of everything with both, but it's like I said the other day at, at, when I saw my running back, you're gonna you're gonna minor Benjamin is or um, Jaden is gonna minor in the things that Christian majors in. Yeah, that's a good. And way Christian's to put it. gonna minor in the things that Jaden majors in. So it's not a complete brand new coverage structure. It's just you have both of these things in your arsenal. Right. You're just gonna lean on those things a little bit more heavily when Jade's in the game. So I want people to understand this. You don't have to create a new coverage structure for Jaden. That would mean he's not very good. Right. It just means his strengths are more geared towards zone, playing downhill, being a disruptor, where Christian's strengths are more man-covered. So even though I've talked about the negative aspects of Jade not being able to be like a pure man guy, that's not really what why you have to make that move. You have to make that move because you have to play to Jaden's strengths. And Jaden's strengths are going to be more in line with how you use Cam than how you use Christian. The problem is Jaden's like four inches shorter than Cam and not as long as Cam. Right. So you're you're going to have to be even more aggressive with him where Cam could kind of react late and close incredibly quickly. Jaden might get maybe triggered a little bit more with how they line him up. So that's what I mean by that, Vince, is – you're, you're going to have to be smart about what you're doing when he's in the game. And not because you have to protect him, which somewhat you do, but that's more about his aggressiveness. You have to protect yeah. him because if I'm another team, I'm I'm hitting – if you're an opposing coach and you're not hitting a double move on Jaden Mickey every time you see him in the game, then you just, you're not scouting very well. And that, I'm not giving anything away. That's anyone that's watched the pit game last year is going to think that. Like the part of the reason Jaden almost had three pick sixes is because he's super aggressive once he sees something. Very, you know, aggressive, and yeah. so you know, I'm, 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 boom, hit that sluggo, and then oh take yeah, the shot over top. The way that Notre Dame runs their coverage structure is you may get him on that, and uh oh, they're in cover one, they're in trouble, or you may get him on that you think, but they're actually in an aggressive two, and or a four. And they're rolling to that, and now you've thrown a sluggo into a safety flying over over top. That, that's the thing is because they don't just line up pure cover one, and everybody knows what's coming up. You know what I mean? Like they'll get to it in a lot of different ways, and you may you may guess right and get them on that sluggo, and it's just big play for you. Props to you, but you may end up finding yourself running that sluggo into a safety that's coming. You know that you think is middle of the field that's now climbing over top because of the the way that they mix up their coverage structure. So it's really about playing to his strengths more than anything else. But sure. part of playing to his strengths is knowing we have to protect him a little bit more over the top. Yeah. that's yeah. So So that's why it's important to know who's going to be the primary replacement right. because that's going to alter how they play their coverage structure. It's fascinating. It's I mean, it, The whole thing is fascinating to me on who, you know, do the coaches want to play a certain way? Do they, you know, I mean, the, just the the entire dynamic is fascinating to me. And so... 
going to be one of the things to watch. There's no and doubt they're both going to play, right? I mean, that's oh, absolutely. We, they're yeah. both going to play. Right. right. And, and on honesty events, mm-hmm. that kind of plays into question number three. You know what I mean? Like a lot of this stuff, that how that yeah. rotation, like, and, and and I probably should have put number three as number two because to build right. to it. To go right into it, yeah. how the replacement for Cam Hart gets determined where they play Clarence Lewis, does Micah Bell make a jump? So there's a lot of these things to build, but, but more so primarily the biggest thing that's going to infa- Im- impact how the staff builds around this group, which is question number three, is who emerges as the – best replacement for cam Hart, right or if there's a scenario in which christian and Jaden both have a great off season and you're just like dude we're gonna have to change some things because we got to find ways to use both these kids i mean mm-hmm. that's what good coaches have to do so yep. it's going to be very interesting to see how that shakes out vince is there a scenario where they say hey we've got to find a way to get these three kids on the field together i and, and against certain that, teams that, and that and kind of excites me inside, by the way. That, right i mean yeah those are all things that are going to be determined, and that's why it's a question because we don't know the answer to those things yet, right? We we don't, and uh, um, um, if we we won't know the entire answer by the end sure. of spring, but we'll start to get a glimpse into that, as you mentioned earlier in the show, Vince. You know, the there's a faction of people that you know want to see the full house backfield and you know things like that. I want to see these three guys on the field at the same time at corner. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like corner, corner, nickel, or what? Like, and I'm not saying that necessarily has to be their base or anything like that, although that wouldn't be terrible. I, I want to see all three of those guys on the field. Those are your three best corners, in my opinion, going into the spring. Those are your three oh, best, yeah. man. Having those three on the field at the same time, man, I, yeah, <laughs> good luck, everybody. Okay, I just. <laughs> I just feel really good about those three. You're not even being hyperbolic, Vince. That's the great thing about it. You're not really being hyperbolic about that. Yeah. So we'll we'll see what what ends up happening. And like I said, it is going to be fascinating how the coaches want to use these three guys. I mean, it's an embarrassment of riches is what it is. And so, you know, it's going to be great. It really is. It really is. (laughs) And so we kind of touched on question number two. So we went one, three. Now we're going back to two. We kind of touched on two a little bit when we were talking about Ben Morrison, Benjamin Morrison, uh, in, and how he stacks up against the best corners in the country. And, of course, I was fumbling for my words, and I, I said that, you know, he had a quote-unquote down year it. or whatever. We understood it. And, and you picked me up, and I appreciate that. That's what, what good teammates do. Uh, but, you know. Well, I, I knew what your intent was, Vince. Correct. I mean, that, that's the yeah, thing. Absolutely. is, it's, it's, it's I knew what your intent was. Right. And, and I knew the point you're trying to make because it, it's hard to explain. Yes. Because it's kind of right. like – when you expect greatness and you get really, really good, it seems like right. it wasn't as good or it was a down year. It's like, but it's like, but it still was really, really good. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And and, yeah. and it can be hard sometimes to put that into words. So I understood mm-hmm. what you're coming. Yeah. But to, to your point, one of the big questions is, and, and we're going to start to see this during the spring, but we really won't know the answer to this in the fall is this sometimes like, more often than not, Vince, players just kind of get better and better every year. If they're workers, if they have the talent, they just kind of get better and better sure. every year. Yep. Sometimes, however, guys just kind of show up and this is who they are. Mm-hmm. And they'll get more technically sound. They'll know the defense better, but this is who they are. And we're going to find out about Benjamin this season because it could just be this is who he is, which, again, is still one of the best corners really in college football. Yeah, right? still like, really good. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? So it's like he's still a top-five corner. The question, however, is can he go from being one of the best corners 
to an elite, a truly elite corner. Right. Like right. a truly change the game. You're not throwing into the boundary as much as you normally do because you're just like, we can't throw at that guy. Right. And and that's where Benjamin can, and I think, and, and I don't say needs to, because I won't say he needs to do this. Because again, if Benjamin just is just the same player he was in 2022 and 2023, he's still really good. Mm-hmm. He's still one of the five to eight best corners in college football if he just repeats what he did this past season. Like right. literally, right. doesn't get an ounce better. As right. long as he doesn't regress, he's one of the five to best eight corners in college football. And that's okay. Yeah. That's pretty flipping good. Right. That's all American caliber. But my thing is, I think that there's another level for him to get to, which oh, would make too. him. Yeah. And again, his ranking may not change a whole lot, but it's kind of like you can be top five. But top one or two are just in a different place all by themselves, mm-hmm. right? Like if you look at yes. cornerback and and the NFL draft, you say, well, these are the top five corners, and anybody in the top five is pretty good. But there's a big difference between number five and number one and two. And that's where we need to find out if Ben can get into that category, to where he is a true like – he's, he's very good, but to where just half the field is gone. And he was close to that this year. But a couple things he's got to do a better job of. Number one, he's got to be more locked in against players that aren't as good as him. This is going to sound weird. But part of the reason Benjamin's numbers were the way they were last year is because he gave up yards against teams that weren't very good. Duke does not have great corners. He gave up you know, two catches for 34 yards. First play of the game, they hit him with a crazy back shoulder. Right? Yeah. Like, Right. That's one of the few exceptions uh, where it was a big game where he gave up a play. But if you look at his numbers, he gave up 79 yards against Stanford. You know, he he gave up 24 against NC State, but like he was really good in the biggest games last year. I mean, against Clemson, they went at him not Clemson picked on Benjamin. And he gave up four catches on on nine attempts, and only gave up 26 yards. Now, Bo Collins hit him on a great slant route to set up a touchdown. I mean, just I've never seen Ben beat like that before or since. Mm -hmm. You're like, well, thank God he's now on your team, right? (laughs) But that was such a rare thing to see Ben get beat like that. Right. At times against some of the inferior teams, he'd get a little bit, eh, he's not, maybe not as locked in. That's part of being young. But the other part of it, because – when you look at him against the best teams in the schedule, Vince, and this is the crazy part about it, I, I talked about, you know, what the what what um, uh, Benjamin, what Mal- Marvin Harrison Jr. did against Benjamin last year, right? But it was right. it, the same thing was true against USC. We hear we we talk about you're hearing about Brendan Rice from USC getting a lot of love about how you know how good he is and he's moving up draft boards and all this kind of stuff and, and how good the receiver talent is at USC. Against Benjamin last year, USC went at him five times, gave up two completions for a grand total of three yards. Right. Right? Because he locked him down. Uh, yeah, Brendan Rice that. hit beat him once. They targeted Brendan Rice four times. One time uh he caught the ball near the end zone and about had Benjamin beat for a touchdown, but yeah. Benjamin came through and knocked it yep. out. Yep. That was a great The other play. time he beat him for that touchdown, it was on a scramble play. That was the only time. And then the Martin and then uh, Mario, uh, 
Mario Williams caught a pass on him for minus four yards, right? So, I mean, it, he he was very, very good that game. And, and, and just, you know, again, lock down a guy that's about to get drafted. We talked about what he did against Ohio State. You know, Julian Fleming, one of two against Benjamin for a yard, a yard. And, and and he had two yards after the catch. You know what that means? That means he caught a screen behind the line, gained a yard past the line, and they gave him two yards after the catch. Got tackled for a one-yard gain. That's what that means. And then, as we mentioned, Marvin Harrison had uh, five targets, two catches for 26 yards. Benjamin had two pass breakups in that game. So when you look at Benjamin, he was at his best against the best players that they played. You know, like Jamari Thrash from Louisville caught three passes for four yards on him for or three three, uh, three passes on four targets, 75%, but they went for a grand total of 22 yards. Like they didn't do anything on him. You know what I mean? So it's like when, when no matter who they – when they were playing the best teams, that's when Benjamin was 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 at his best. And, yeah. and that's the sign of a guy that's a really difference a, a difference maker. Another example, Stanford. You know, they had that kid that just torched Thomas Hunter, right? And or Travis Hunter, excuse me. Mm-hmm. And everybody mm-hmm. talks about, you know, how good he is and, and all this stuff. And he's a very good player. But he caught one pass against Benjamin on two attempts. That's it. Like he couldn't get open against Benjamin the rest of the game. Right. And he just he wasn't getting beat by the top guys. He answered that bell every time they played a good team. And so he was very good. But he's got to be a little bit more consistent. At times, Benjamin gets a little grabby, mm-hmm. right? That's something like trust your technique a little exactly. bit. Exactly. He, he was much more grabby this year than he was last year. Now, his reputation allows him to get away with that at times. But you don't want to put yourself in a situation where in the biggest game of the year, the refs decide, you know, the refs for the team that are of the conference of the team you're playing decides, well, now we're going to get him. We're, we're saving that flag for that fourth quarter Right. You know, game winning drive against you. Trust your technique a little bit more. And then the last thing, and this is really the biggest thing. If this is the only thing that gets better, if this right here is the only thing that gets better, he's got to still get stronger, which again, true sophomore, he's 19 years old last year. Right. He's going to be a true junior now. This offseason is going to be big for him from a growth standpoint because a lot of guys make their biggest strength gains going to their junior seasons in mm-hmm. college. That's the the age that that's the that where Benjamin's getting to now. A lot of people are thinking, yes, he's going to be a better tackler if he gets stronger. That's true, and that's part of it. He's got to be much better against the run. But I'm talking about from a coverage standpoint, because the only when Benjamin kind of got in trouble a couple times is when he's going against an older, stronger player. I think like, of like Bo, Bo Collins, Collins, right? I think of <laughs> yeah. Brendan Rice. Yeah, I think sure. of a 215 pound guy that's got some size on him that can kind of muscle him a little bit. When you were trying to beat him with a faster guy, game over. Like you don't right. have a chance. Yeah, exactly. And and so, uh, think of the touch. Only touchdown he gave up against in 2022 was against Aronde Gadsden, who's technically a tight end but plays like a receiver. So that's where it'll it'll really impact him in coverage. That means at the line of scrimmage, as he's rerouting, right. So his jams would be more effective, but also just that core that play strength. Yeah. throughout a route and at the catch point. Those are the areas where that strength will have an even But Yes, it's good that it'll be better tackler and better against the screen, and that's all fine, and he needs to get better there. But I'm more concerned about how that added strength 
assuming it, he stays as fluid and stays as limber and stays as all that kind of stuff. Right. That added strength is going to make him a much better effect and much more effective cover player because he's going to be more physical throughout the route and even more physical at the catch point. That's saying something for a guy who's already showed his ball, shown his ball skills and ability to impact the football are as good as any corner in the country. That's, that's the thing, Vince. That's why I say that's where he could still get a lot better. It's just by adding straight. If he doesn't get more consistent, if he's still grabby, okay, he's still really good. Right. His playing strength improves. That's where his his game is going to take a big jump because he's going to be more physically able to hold up against some of the bigger corners that he plays. Right. Or bigger receivers. Bigger receivers. Yeah. Right. Because because Marvin the thing about Marvin Harrison is like remember Marvin beat him on a go route. But Benjamin was able to ride him out of bounds. Mm-hmm. That's an example of what I'm talking about, where Benjamin being stronger in year two than he was in year one allowed that to be a play where instead of giving up a 35-yard game, it's an incomplete pass because you, you were able to force him out of bounds. Some of the other receivers were – I mean, to be honest with you, Marvin didn't play that route very well. Right. Because Benjamin beat him at the line. And Benjamin kind of whooped him that game. But against a more physical receiver, he might get beat a little bit. The, the the kid from Duke, who's not that big, that beat him on the jump ball in that game. That's a senior kid. That's a very strong, muscular kid who's outplayed Benjamin for the ball. Mm-hmm. Those are the areas where Benjamin's game could take a jump. That's why I say I don't think he has – I think he is who he is as an athlete. I don't think Benjamin's going to all of a sudden run a 4-3. He's not going to grow two inches. He's not going to – you know, like his technique's not going to get a ton better because it's already pretty good. That area right there, that play strength that comes through rate, rate, weight room work and all that, that's where his game could take a big jump, Vince, right. and and allow him to be even more productive throughout routes and at the catch point. And that's why I think if that area can improve, that's how Benjamin goes from being really, really good to a true to half elite, the field elite, gone, elite, elite yeah. type of cover player in college. Yep, and he's got all the ability to do it. It just would love to see it happen. Would love to see that jump in year three because, I mean, as much as I would love it to happen, probably not going to get a year four out of Benjamin Morris. I don't want to see a year four from Benjamin. No, I agree with you because you brought that up before. Yeah, Yeah. I want Benjamin gone after this year, not because for any reason I want to see what this guy can do. No, because that's good for Notre Dame and it's good for Benjamin. Absolutely, yeah. If Benjamin leaves after this year, it means he's a first-round pick. It means he was healthy. It means he played elite football, and he's going to be a first-round pick. That's good for Benjamin. That's good for Notre Dame. Like that's why I say, like I don't want him back next year because the way he's played, in my opinion, the only I could be wrong on this. I'm not a draft expert. I'm just giving you my opinion. The only way Benjamin comes back in 2025 is really one of three reasons. One, he gets hurt. Yeah, don't want that. Two, he he doesn't have a very good year. Don't want that either. Nope. Or three. For some reason, he thinks Notre Dame's this close to winning a championship, and he and wants, wants to be to part get, of that. Wants to roll with it, and, yeah. and and decides to come back. But honestly, if I'm Marcus Freeman, I love right. you, kid, dude. But if you're a first round, you got to go look out for yeah. you now. Yeah. He may still decide. I mean, his you know his, his dad's a former NFL player. He may say, "Look, son, you only get one chance at this. You right. understand? That's fine. We've seen that. We've seen Notre Dame players do that before. Manti did that. Tyler Eifert did that. But my whole thing is, if Benjamin's as good as I think he can be. 
it's all he's he's that kind of kid like what Notre Dame did and, and what here's what I, I was told this and I, I don't know how true this is but I was told this by a couple sources that that Quinton actually and Nelson actually expressed some thoughts of hey I'm not sure what I'm going to do after 27 like after the season was over Quinton had some like I'm not sure what I'm going to do this is what I was told this may have been before the bowl game it okay. may, I don't know when it happened but like when it came down to decision time he was kind of having a I'm not sure if I should say or go thoughts. And I was told that everybody at Notre Dame was like, dude, you got to go. Like, we love the sentiment of you wanting to come back, but you're ready. Right. Because there comes a point in time as a coach that once the season's over with, you've got to do your job of looking at what's best for your players. For sure. And not trying to, you know, do what Kelly did with Stefan to it and try to give them half information to try to convince them to come back. You got to do what's best for your players. And so I hope Benjamin's not back next year. You're right. And it's going to sound crazy, but that means that Benjamin's healthy and has become the version of himself that we think he's capable of getting to. He's already very good. Right. But Benjamin the last couple of years has been a, a day two guy. Mm-hmm. Right. Like maybe early day two, but he has a chance to be a day one guy, an early day one guy. That play strength to me is the big difference. If that takes the jump, as long as he's healthy, then there's a he's a no-brainer first-round pick in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Because we've already seen him go against first. We've already seen him go against dudes. And so, I mean, that's the thing about Benjamin is you, you look at who he's gone against his first two years. He's gone against, I mean, Ohio State two years in a row. He's gone against the guys at North Carolina last year who are really good players. I mean, he has been, you know, North Carolina with Drake May, the first-round draft pick completed one pass on two attempts for six yards against Benjamin last year. You know what I mean? Like uh, he, he's a, he's just been a dude his entire career. And I mean, USC with Caleb Williams, you remember that one, they just completely avoided him the entire game. Completely avoided him. Like he didn't exist. Pass. Yeah. yeah. And right. He almost, if I remember correctly, they, they went deep on him once and he almost picked it. I think that's you remember accurate. that like they, yeah. they, it was a go route. They went at him once early in the game. He almost picks it off, and Caleb was like, "Screw that! I'm not throwing at that guy again." He's gone against C.J. Stroud. He's gone against Caleb Williams. He's gone against Drake May. So in his two years in Notre Dame, he will have gone against three top five draft picks at quarterback. That doesn't include Jaron Hall. That doesn't include other guys that were that were you know Tanner McKee got drafted, I believe. Jaron Hall started a game in the NFL this year. Like he's gone against dudes. This is he's gone against high picks that you know Josh Downs was a high pick at receiver last year. He didn't go against him a ton, but like he's gone against some dudes, and you know he's been able to hold his own. So he's not like dominating because they play Army Navy every week. Right, right, right. That's that's my point. So he's got a chance to be a true star, but we got to find out because I'll wrap it up with this. Vin, I got very long winded on this. I apologize, but here's the okay. point. Benjamin Morrison playing just the way he was again this year is a, an all-American caliber player, but you're not necessarily going to be afraid of him. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Benjamin taking that next step makes you afraid to throw at him. And the reason that matters is because the reason that Cam was able to avoid him or Caleb was able to avoid him is because they didn't have Cam and Tariq bracing that game, remember? So, yeah, yep. you it was easier to avoid him. It's going to be harder to avoid him if Christian Gray and Jordan Clark and Xavier Watts and Jay, you know what I mean? Like, so if he's as good as he we think he can be and he takes that jump, 
The impact is he genuinely shuts down half the field. What a shutdown corner to me isn't a guy that holds teams to a low percentage rate and all that. It's a guy that literally you just stop throwing to. Right. Like that. that's the difference. And that opens up so many things for other positions. And it changes how you call a game. When you're a cornerback that changes how teams call a game, that's a true elite game changer. Not a guy that just shuts this guy down and wins this battle, but says, we're not even going to fight that fight. That's that's like as a as a former offensive corner. If I had a cornerback that was that good, that's not I didn't want to be there because it's like it changes how you call the game. Oh, yeah. And eventually you're going to figure out my you're going to figure out that I'm afraid to go here or I'm, I'm unwilling to go here. And then that's going to impact a lot of the other decisions you're going to that, that you're going to make and how you call the game that plays into your favor against me. Yeah. And that's why it's important yeah. that Benjamin take that step, because even if he doesn't, if he just repeats, especially they got one of the five to six best corners in all of college football next year. But they got a chance to have the best corner or the second best corner in all of college football next year that truly takes over games. And that's why it's a question of whether or not he'll make a jump. It's it's that's what we're arguing, Vince. We're not arguing oh, is right. Benjamin any good or is he overrated? Or, no, none of that. None of that. It's is he going to be really, really good or game changing? That's right. the difference. That's the right. conversation. Again, very, very, very high floor. Right. <laughs> very high floor right. is what we're talking about. But what's the ceiling? That's that's the biggest question. What is the ceiling? Where is he right. going to hit? Yeah, absolutely. Right. Question number four, though, Brian, is another one that we kind of touched on because we touched on – the question is, does Michael Bell become a factor? And that's a huge question because of is he a factor at the nickel? Is he – you know, if he can be the number two at nickel, like you had mentioned earlier, that means now, okay, you can move Clarence Lewis to be a backup safety or a star, you know, whatever the case may be, it allows you to move the chess pieces a little bit different. If Micah Bell can step up and be that number two guy, number one for 24. And then in the future, taking over that spot at nickel, because again, Notre Dame needs to have some homegrown nickels. They, they've gone to the portal for nickels the last few years. They have to. A home, I mean, they, yeah. exactly. They've absolutely had to. So if you can now, okay, now you start home growing them. Okay. Now you don't have to go to the portal for that anymore. Just like, okay, we don't have to go to the portal for quarterback anymore. We got the room. You don't have to go to the portal for nickel anymore. We got the room. Like that's, that's where you want to be. And then you use the nickel to fill some hole. Or, I mean, you use the portal to fill some holes, but now you're where you want to be from a depth standpoint. And that's, you know, a lot of that in 24 is riding on will Micah Bell as a red shirt freshman be able to take that step and become a factor in this defense. For Micah, the physical tools are there, Vince. I mean, he's right. a strong kid for his size. He's incredibly fast, exceptionally fast. You know, he's he's a competitive kid in, in every capacity. It's just, can he pick up the technique and he's does he have the natural feel for playing in coverage? That's the right. question. And if he does, then he's going to be really, really good. Mm-hmm. And so what that does then is that means you can limit the way that you can limit the reps on Jordan Clark. So he stays fresh. It gives you a pure cover guy that allows you certain matchup advantages when you play teams that are you know, maybe a little bit more athletic on the perimeter. Mm-hmm. It Especially Vince, when you get to the postseason and you're playing the Georgia's and I'm, you know, there's right. the Ohio states and some of these yeah. other teams where it's like, like last year, 
but they just started putting a Mechic Buka on, you know, Thomas Harper, and they, they could get some third and fourth down matchups that they liked. You put a guy that can run a 4-3 on there, and then maybe that limits some of those things a little bit, right? Sure. I mean, as good as Tariq Bracey was, he ran a mid-4-5, which I was actually surprised by. I thought he'd be a, I thought he'd be a high 4-4 guy. But he, think about how he impacted the game with his speed. Imagine when you talk about a guy that's in the four threes, mm-hmm. right? And and so Micah gives you pure cover potential as a nickel. And think about a guy with his speed coming off the edge on a blitz because they will blitz that nickel. Think about that four three speed coming off the edge, using that speed to blow up screen games and things like that. If Micah Bell, if the light goes on for Micah Bell, his speed is truly game changing. It is. I mean, it just changes everything. You can use Jordan Clark, maybe some at safety if there's some issues there. But even just having a normal rotation where Jordan's still your starter, sure. but Mike has given you some some good reps there and gives you some games you can match up. But then going into 2025, you're talking about like, good, we're, we're going to have one of the best nickel situations in the country with this kid now that he's going into year three. Right. So, but, but you need – the thing, the reason this is a question, Vince, because if he doesn't like make any kind of push this year, then you have to wonder: is he just a track kid that doesn't know how to play football? Like that's the thing. I'm not saying he has to be a starter this year. Right. But he, he at least needs to be like a guy that's that's turning heads. Say, hey, we got to figure something out with this kid. We got to find a way to get this kid on the field some way somehow. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. No, I, you can't. That's the key. It would be a, it would be an absolute shame. And you can place blame wherever you want it, but it would be it to me. It would be an absolute shame if they don't find a way to get Micah Bell on the field. Yeah, well, and, I, I and, and that could be. Yeah, I, I won't say I, I place blame because I mean he just may not be good enough. It would be disappointing if it's you know what I mean. Like because like thing is Mike Mike Mickens has shown I'll play a freshman, I'll play a sophomore. It, it won't be about youth. I'll play a rotation. It, sure. It'd be different if we were still talking in the Kelly era. Where they just they don't play depth, right? And they don't play young guys. They're just they're just this is their starters. If he's not ready to, and you've got one of the best cornerback coaches in all of college football at the, if he's not ready to play, it just tells me he doesn't have the feel for the game yet. Right. And that right. would be disappointing. So, well, again, and that, yeah. And that's what I was referring to. Not, yeah. not, w- will they play him if he was ready and they're just not going to play him? Like, that's, that's not what I meant. I meant like either he's not getting coached up, however you want to say it, or he's not taking the coaching, isn't ready, you know, whatever the case may be. If he's not on the field, that would disappoint me. Like, I, I feel like he's got the tools, but you got to, you know, you got to coach him up. You got to coach him up. But he has a lot, also has to take the coaching and get there himself as well. I mean, it's a it's a two-way street is, is I guess, the point that I was making. And and I, I saying place the blame maybe isn't the, the right terminology to I use, but, like, it's either the coaching or the player or both or none of the above. You know what I mean? So like, yeah, just you just yeah. may not have it. But if exactly. he does, if he does start to push though, Vince, yeah. you start to get real excited about. Yeah. Okay, because like we just got done talking about a guy that we think could be an elite game changer at cornerback. Right. Exactly. It's going. Right. I mean, as much as I love Cam Hart, if Benjamin Morrison reaches his peak this year, it's going to be a lot harder to replace him as the boundary corner. Sure. Than it will be Cam Hart it'd be real nice to be in a situation where you're like Christian Gray's as good as he is. We think he can be. And Mike is as good as we think he can be. And Jaden as good as we think he can be, because then it's not so much a, any of you has to replace Benjamin by yourself, but as a trio, maybe Leonard Moore steps up and he pushes that kind of thing as a group. You can be better as a group, even though no one's as good as that guy individually. 
that that's kind of where you're at. But if all right, of a sudden right, right. you've got to replace Benjamin and you've now got to go to the portal again for another nickel because the light doesn't go on for Micah, now I get a lot more nervous about the cornerback position next year than I am this year. And that leads us to question number five. Absolutely. And question number five, can Notre Dame actually be better at corner in 24? And that question blows my mind because they were really good in yeah. 24 or 23 but is it really is good it a fair question it's an absolutely it's a fair right. question it's an absolute fair now i i'm not ready to say they will be better because that there's a lot to happen Correct. between now and the start of yeah. the season okay and you i just, love what they had last year you don't replace cam hart and say you're right. better without seeing anybody play a snap yeah. Right. I mean, that, you know right. what I mean? Exactly. Like, that would be exactly. starting to get disrespectful to Cam Hart. Correct. That and that, that is not the route I'm going. Right. So, and you wouldn't either. Well, I'll say but, this, Vince. What I have said, so people are clear, I have said I expect the secondary to be better next year. That's a fair this statement. This question is more about will the cornerback position alone, outside field boundary, right? Will that be better than it was a year ago? That's different right. than the whole secondary being better. And the, so this, so just so we're because I have said I fully expect the secondary to be. Better. I do too. No, I do too. I do right. too. And that's and that's more of a, that's more of us talking about the safety position than it is talking about the corner position. So it's and as a whole, you know, in the in the defensive secondary. But the fact that we're even asking this question at number five tells you what we think about the depth in the cornerback room in twenty four, because it was really good in twenty three. And to say that there's a chance that they could be better, that's nuts. I mean, you would say yeah. that that's nuts, but there is – I mean, it's a legitimate question because of the depth. It's still a question, as you said. It, it is. It is. Absolutely it is. It's not one if, that we can answer right now. Yeah, because if we were sitting there – like, when I did the receiver breakdowns, the receiver's going to be better this year. Full stop. Yeah, like, it's not going out on a limb on that one, really. It's not a question. <laughs> it's they're going to be better. Right. The question is how much better. Sure. You know, though th I the D line will be better this year, in my opinion. I I'm not really. It, the question is how much? A little bit? A lot? What? Somewhere in between? That yeah. that's what we don't know. Right. For here, it's a genuine question because they may not be as good as they were this past year. Cornerback. Right. My thing is, they're still going to be good. You, when you have Benj, it's like safety. They were not great at safety this year. They were good. They were good because they had an elite guy and then just some do your some job guys. guys some guys. Yeah. Right. Right. So as a group, they were good. Cornerback to me is going to be good, even if if Benjamin's just here's the thing. If Benjamin's just stays the same, they're going to be good at corner. Mm -hmm. May not be as good as last year, but still pretty good because if Christian and Jaden aren't as good as Cam, there's things you can do coverage wise to help protect them a little bit. And we know they're at least, you know, we know the floor of what they could be if just what they did this year. Right. So that's the thing is if they did what they did this year and don't get an ounce better, just a little bit stronger in a weight room for Christian, right. that's still a very a pretty good cornerback. That's still one of the 10 best cornerback rooms in all of college football. And this is the crazy thing about this, Vince. <laughs> like they were a top three to four cornerback room last year. They're at the very least going to be top like second half of the top 10 this year. If if everybody in 24 just repeats what they did in 23. Right. This is going to be a top 10 cornerback room in college football. And that's with the subtraction of Cam Hart. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like right. if Benjamin, Christian, and Jaden all just repeat their 2023 seasons, they don't get an ounce better. Right. Just a you know little bit weight room stronger. That's it. Right. 
then there, there's still going to be a, a, a pretty good corner room. The question I have is can they be better? Can they have mm-hmm. the best cornerback room in college football next year? And and then, of course, so if if 8 to 10 is the floor and 1 is the ceiling, where do they fall in that range? That's right. That's the question for me. The key to it all is twofold. One, and this is the big key. The big key to me is Christian Gray. Mm-hmm. With I love Jaden Mickey. Great kid. But like Jaden's just not as the ceiling is not as high with Jaden as it is. I agree. Christian. I agree. Just isn't. And and if, if Christian if Jaden Mickey is your super sub, you're much better off mm-hmm. than if he's your starter, in my opinion. Now he may not like to hear that. And I understand that. I don't want him to like to hear it, by the exactly. way. Exactly. <laughs> I don't saying. want him to like that. Yeah, right. But he's going to be a very important piece to this. Sure. But Christian Gray is the key to me. Because I think Christian Gray can be every bit as good as Benjamin Morrison. Like, not not this year. I'm saying on the career path. Right. Right? So, like, you know, Benjamin's a year ahead. So, like, could Christian Gray be as good in 2024 as Benjamin was in 2023? Yes. That's what I'm saying. Right? So if he gets anywhere close to that, which I think he can, then all of a sudden you're talking about having a truly elite game-changing cornerback room that you sure. can just literally line up on the outside. I'm watching the Super Bowl events, and you know I watch playoff football. I don't watch the regular season. I, I watch the playoffs this year, and I'm, I'm watching the 49ers, and you're just like, they're so handicapped because Kansas City can just lock them down on the outside. And, and they've got to try to figure out ways to make plays with their outside guys just completely taken out of the game. And you watched Ohio State struggle against Notre Dame the whole game that way. They had to manufacture yards and plays right. in the slot. Now, a couple guys didn't make plays they should have made. That was the difference in the game. But at the end of the day, if the Notre Dame offense is competent, that's a loss for Ohio State because Notre Dame could just, against first-round draft picks, just lock them down and say yep. – you're not and not by coverage scheme by just cam's better than your guy benjamin's better than your guy or at least we're as good as you here i mean they they did not give help to benjamin morrison against marvin harrison jr gave him no help it was benjamin Mm -hmm. have at it yeah and he he won the battle and it worked out pretty well right they did the same thing against usc won the battle and so it's if you can do that on both sides, like that changes the entire because it doesn't just impact your corners, Vince. It impacts how you use your safeties. It impacts how your how you use your nickel. It impacts how because if you have if you have to play more zone, then your nickel has to play more zone, which means you're going to give up more slants. You're going to have more like cheap routes. You're going to give up some you know some some shorter throws. If you're able to just lock down and say, we're going to play man, and then we're, our safeties are going to help the nickel, you're locking people down. But that also allows you to trigger Jordan Clark more on runs, run stunts and blitzes. Because you can I – mean, think about this. How many teams, if Christian Gray is the player we think he can be, can lock you down on the outside with Gray and Morrison and then bring Benj- and bring Xavier Watts down to play, to play man, post-snap man on your slot with a guy like Jordan Clark or Micah Bell coming off the edge in a run stunt or a blitz? Right. Like it just gives you so many more options to attack teams inside. If you can just line up and say, Christian, you got that dude. Benjamin, you got that dude. Go win. Right. 
it just it changes the entire complexity of your defense, Vince. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's important. Yep. And so if Christian makes the jump, to me, he's the key. And then number two is Jordan Clark and Micah Bell in the slot have to be able to at least at the very minimum continue what you got the last two years. Right. Which I think they will. Mm-hmm. I mean, it would require Jordan Clark regressing to not do that. And I don't see that happening. And then if Micah Bell steps up to where now Jordan doesn't have to play every single snap in the slot, because the slot can be a very tiresome position. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. If you don't have some breathers, because you're just chasing all day. Yeah, all day, day long, because that's the guy you're putting in motion most of the right. time. And it, right. it's, it's and he has a lot quick. more run blocking, yeah. block destruction response. Sure. That is a much more tiresome position, in my oh, yeah. opinion, than playing outside corner. If you have a guy like Micah Bell that can spell Jordan Clark, Right. Three, that's, four that's series huge. a game. Yeah. That's huge. And so as long as those two things happen, then that's what need that's what needs to happen for them to become even better Crazy. than they were last year. Crazy, but it's uh, a legit possible, but yeah. I gotta see it first. Yeah, absolutely. But honestly, and- Vince, I have a weird confidence that Christian Gray is gonna be a breakout player for Notre Dame this year. I loved watching him when he was in the yeah. game last year. He's just smooth. He looks, obviously, we talked about this, right? He looks like Benjamin Morrison. You can't tell him apart from the ninth floor at Notre Dame Stadium. You can't, right? If they happen to put on the same number, I have a really hard time to tell him apart, okay? Yeah. Because they just they just move so similarly. I mean, yeah. I, look at the, I looked at the, uh, at the roster while we were talking about it earlier. They're both listed at six foot. One's listed at 185. One's listed at 183. There's a two-pound <laughs> difference, okay? Like – and I, I would venture to guess that their wingspan is very similar. Like it, it, they're just very similar players from a physical standpoint, and the way they play is very similar. And to have that as bookends on your yeah. defense, like that is the ideal scenario. Well, right. and then starting you. looking into next year events too is if Christian is as good as we hope. If what we're talking about happens now, then when Benjamin goes pro and becomes a first round draft pick, you're just sliding Christian over into the boundary, Correct. and now and then, boom, you're still rolling. Absolutely. Replacing Absolutely. He, here's the last question, Vince, that I have that we didn't th- that we didn't bring up. That we have. We're just going to address it quickly. The only coaching question I have is: Will Mike Mickens now having all the secondary impact how the corners are prepared? I don't think it will, but it's but at it's least something question. we have to keep an it's, eye on. It's still a legitimate question because you just doubled his workload as a coach. I mean. Now he's got to worry about four positions instead of two. Well, I guess he was he was in charge of the nickel too. So he's in charge yes. of five positions instead of three. Okay. So yeah, upped it 40%. But that's still legitimate. And, and now, again, I agree with you. I think that Mike Mickens is going to be just fine. I think the secondary agree. is going to be just fine. But it's still an unanswered question Correct. that we're going to be keeping an eye on because it's just different. It's, it's just different. And so I agree with you. I, I think – they're going to be, I think they're going to be just fine. And the, the safety position, I think, is going to take a jump. And it would have taken a jump with Chris O'Leary as the coach, too. Okay. I do want to say that. I, I do feel that way. But now Mike Mickens is going to be able to put his stamp on the safeties. And I do feel pretty good about that, too. But yep. it's still an unanswered question. Still an unanswered question that we're going to get a glimpse into in the spring. So, yeah. Yes. It's going to be fun. Gonna it's going to be, be fun. All right. So that's going to do it for our five questions. Brian. And in the meantime, make sure, look, we got people in here. Hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, hit the notification bell, jump onto boards on irishbreakdown.com. That's where the Intel is. That's where the good stuff is. 
We know Ryan is down at the Combine. He's going to be putting stuff out about what he sees down there from the Notre Dame players, et cetera. So get, get on the boards, folks. I'm telling you, it's my, it is my everyday activity to jump on the boards and see what's going on. What's the conversation? What is happening? I'm telling you, that's where it's at. So jump on there, boards.irishbreakdown.com. Give us a review. Five stars. That'd be fun, too. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.